Welcome to Business as Unusual, a podcast hosted by 360T, examining how firms in the FX industry are continuing to achieve business goals in an unusual working environment. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm delighted to be joined today by Jasper Livingsmith from the European Bank for Reconstruction Development. Jasper, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So to kick us off, I'd like to talk me through what have been the key adjustments that you have had to make to your operations in the recent weeks and I guess now coming on to months uh, to adjust to this new environment we find ourselves in? So this is probably the most boring but important question um, that we've had to deal with. And it's always about process. And if the processes were run in the way that I've been advocating for for quite some time now, mm-hmm. it would have been a seamless transition. Um, and that's ultimately all around automation um, and kind of end-to-end processing. Sadly, we're not there still at EBRD. But some of the key ones, I think, I think the two main departments within our operations uh, section, they've had a hard time. So treasury operations and banking operations, they've had a hard time making the switch to working from home. And they've had a lot of teething problems, not just around IT, but around kind of the, the throughput of work they've had to deal with. Just things as simple as making payments, um, particularly to our countries of operations. Um, and then on the kind of trading side, it's, it's mostly been a process around, around trade confirmation. The simplest one has just been an end-of-day roundup that various desk heads sign off on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of the actual nitty-gritty, it's just making sure that the lines of communication are open and that the information is shared. So this is something that, that is a kind of key theme for me, is this notion of how information is shared through an organization or even just through our treasury. The density of information and the openness. You know, in, in a company, information does best when it's shared openly. Unfortunately. That's not usually the case. People who have it hoard it a lot of the time. Even as something as simple as, you know, what trade you're doing, what you're thinking, and what's the information generating that trade. Very often people are having bilateral IP chats instead of doing it on a group chat. So the rest of the team, the rest of the department is left in the the shadow. So things as simple as that, we're changing because a lot of them are cultural as well. But that's what's helped us um, make this transition to uh, working from home. One thing I wanted to ask you about was obviously in the FX markets, we went from low vol to high vol very fast and on a big scale. Did the FX market function broadly as you expected as we made this switch to this new market environment? Yeah, it did. I mean, uh, market implied vols were kind of almost on never, never lows in many pairs um, in Feb just before, you know, the turmoil hit, which was kind of insane. So it was a great opportunity for those positioned or minded to put the trade on by vol. In terms of market function, I think our, our trade frequency, certainly in spot and options, is is low enough that, yeah, okay, bid offers were wider, but you know it was still functioning fine. We could still get our risk done. Swaps, particularly in emerging markets, became and are still actually in many ways very difficult to do expensive and in some cases just you know not possible for a day or or even more at times so those were huge challenges and you know fx swaps it's it's the short end of the cross-currency basis curve and they are kind of a core funding instrument for all financial institutions so a real core part of the market that i think most people just focusing on pure risk transfer focus on options and spot 
but our institutions like ours, these are critical, critical kind of pieces of the market. So that's been that's been really tricky. I mean, you know, funding has blown out in, in some of the emerging market pairs to you know 100% plus, despite the FX weakness, and that's a classic um, kind of emerging market move. Yeah, the currency will depreciate, and you think, yeah, I'm making some money because I'm short the currency, and then you look at the cost of funding your trade, and you think, oh no, that's it's all gone, and I'm actually down. <laughs> <laughs> that's really interesting. So. Even now, are you seeing a big disparity in terms of things like pricing, in terms of liquidity between spot and the non-spot products that you do, like swaps? Yes, absolutely. EM FX swaps are still very wide and wider than normal, I would say. Anything from 50% to 5x wider than normal in terms of bid-ask um, across, obviously, the pairs that are relevant to us or our countries of operation. So things like it's sort of CE, so Czech, half slotty um, are the okay ones, but Turkey and Romania are the ones where it's really, really difficult. You function across a number of asset classes, not just FX. Has your experience in the FX market and trading and executing there been very different compared to other asset classes? To some extent, yeah, I think... So rates is, is probably the most important one for me and for us. And I would say actually the epi, it was the epicenter of the crisis, certainly at the very beginning. Josh Younger at JP Morgan called it a crisis of collateral quantity, not quality as the GFC in 2008 was, which I think is a, is a great way of putting it. Right. But of course, a central bank is ideally positioned to remedy a crisis of collateral quantity because they can create huge amounts very, very quickly, which is exactly what they did. So you saw absolutely stunning dislocations in treasuries on a relative value basis in particular. So things like futures cash basis, things like asset swaps, um, and on the run, off the run, all these kind of classic market microstructure things just completely exploded and, and you know, hurt quite a few funds as a result. So that was quite mind-blowing to me. Um, And even as far as things like term basis in other markets, so euros, 30-year, 360-0 basis closed um, at one point, minus two, which is just a nonsensical number, like like oil going negative. So yeah, there was huge dysfunction, I think much worse dysfunction in those markets, but it was over almost as quickly as it began once the central banks stepped in. As a business or even personally, what have been your takeaways from recent events or maybe lessons that you've learned? I think that's a great question. I think there's quite a few, and I wouldn't say, I'd say lessons relearned maybe rather than, you know, newly learned. I think, you know, this crisis, uh, I think it's it's been a tragedy and and will be a tragedy for many people on, on many levels, you know, not just kind of the health, personal levels, but even the kind of the crisis, uh, the economic crisis and, and the kind of exacerbation of inequality. So on a personal level, it's certainly just the gratitude, you know, having a good, stable job and being able to help others who are, who are kind of less fortunate, you know, who I've relied on in the yeah. past. Um, on a professional level, takeaways like communications, as I mentioned, that's what I keep <laughs> on coming back to. Um, it's a recurring theme from people I speak to, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm not surprised. And one, one big one I like to try and focus on professionally is also about measurement. Um, it's kind of a topic I like to obsess on a bit, you know, on a macro basis as well as on a professional basis. You have to measure stuff. And hopefully that this new, you know, working from home is going to force people to think about 
measuring performance, not, it's not just about presenteeism. It's actually about what is your output. And if your output is not easy to quantify, how do you quantify? So that kind of stuff, I think, is a great opportunity. And, and the simple lesson is working from home actually works. Trading from home actually works. Yeah. A lot of people didn't think it did or would, but it does. It works fine subject to having the right processes in place, which is what I mentioned <laughs> at the beginning. Um, and I think the last one I'd be remiss, particularly um, um, at the EBRD, for not mentioning. So we've had personal, professional, and the last one is kind of policy, okay. uh, kind of global policy. Monetary policy, so the central banks have stepped up to the plate, for sure. Um, fiscal policy, I think governments uh, and, the, and the fiscal impulse has stepped up to the plate to a large degree as well. I'm really impressed. Um, and there's all discussions of kind of austerity, which, which I hated during the last crisis. I really called it fiscal fundamentalism, have at least been postponed, if not done away with. But the real policy takeaways for me are, are around things about, you know, how is the system that we actually operate in designed, whether it's as small as, you know, the markets that you trade, the market structure that you inhabit, and how you as a player actually influence that, or as big as the capitalist system worldwide and its various guises across different countries. How is that constructed? And all of these systems are complex systems. And if you have a complex system, you need it to be resilient. And that's really what this crisis has shown. These systems, many of them, are actually not that resilient at all, um, as borne out by the scale of you know, the impact of this crisis and the kind of tragedy, the, the economic and I would say social scarring as well. So. We're going to exacerbate inequality, 60 million people in poverty, you know, all these really quite shocking statistics and all born out of, you know, three-ish months of lockdown, which sounds crazy that you'd have such a catastrophe on the back of that. And that really leads me to think that the system we inhabit at whatever level it is, as an individual, as well as at a kind of macro level, needs to be more resilient. And we all have a role to play in making it so. So do you think at that higher level, we will see big changes come out of this? That's the huge question. There's, right. there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of talk and a lot of hope, um, ultimately, from policy advisors, certainly, in, in, who are mostly in academia. Ultimately, you need policy makers to seize the opportunity. I think some of the headlines we've seen recently out of the EU in particular Give me some hope. In a way, there's, there's two real camps. So there's the people who are hopeful that, there's, that this is an opportunity to change, particularly given potential further challenges that the resilience of our system is likely to face further down the line, obviously from the climate, the big one. And there are others who are just like, no, no, we need to get back to the way it was quickly, 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 as fast as possible. Oh, my God, you know, this is madness. Why would you stop the economy for people to not die? This is just madness. And... I'm obviously not in that camp. <laughs> I don't know. Ultimately, I don't know where the balance lies. I think there could be a bit of a bifurcation between, let's say, mainland Europe and the Anglo-Saxon systems, as, as there already has been for a while. I'm remaining hopeful. I think there could be a lot of lessons learned around even simple things like traveling less, working from home more, people spending more time with their family, with their local community you know, building resilience in things as micro as that. So yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that a lot of these small changes that we've made will persist, maybe not to the same degree, but will persist as we start to return to a kind of more normal uh, pace of life. 
Yeah, so so full confession, my parents live in London and I have never called them as much as regularly for as, for as long as I have in the last couple of months. Fantastic. There you go. <laughs> uh, Jasper, on that note, I will let you go. Thank you so much for your time. That was really interesting. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Business as Unusual. Check the 360T website to catch up on past episodes and find new listings.